Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with George Ogilvie, CEO of Battle North Gold. Uh, we talked through some recent press releases, their plans for 2021 getting into production and uh, expiration. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports. There are commentaries from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. There are training videos on there to help you with your diligence process and also summaries of other interviews that we've done to save you some time. Time. And there's a big thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly way, in a safe environment, free from trolling and abuse. Uh, well, wouldn't that be nice? So why don't you go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. George, how are you doing, sir? I'm well, thank you, Matt. Good to see you. Happy New Year. We've not spoken. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too. See, we, we, we get to do it, the, the Celtic people. All around the world, people are looking at these Scottish, I'm gonna go with Scottish today-ish. With a name like Gordon, I can get away with it. Absolutely, they, they glad. Look, <laughs> they, look, they look to us for celebrating it at New Year's, but it's a quiet one, I imagine. Yeah, very quiet, yeah. Okay, well look, um, wanted, to, wanted to get a hold of you, and thank you very much for joining us on the show, appreciate it. We spoke at the end of October when you went on a wee bit of a run and we want to sort of see, talk about some of the things that you've done since we spoke as well. But before we do, when we do that one minute overview and then we'll pick it up from there. Yep, so Battle North Gold uh, has its uh, primary asset located in Red Lake, Northern Ontario. It's a gold mine. It has a significant infrastructure already in place, $700 million worth of investment. Over the last four years, we've been technically de-risking the project and uh, we now have a fully funded project. Uh, we're now back into the construction and development phase and uh, we anticipate pouring our first Gold Dory bar uh, before the end of uh, this calendar year. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Well, I'm not going to get into the business plan strategy. We talked about that. We'll put a link below to that so people can sort of see and I do want to talk about this bit, what you inherited, what you walked yeah. into, and you know what you've had to do to kind of you know straighten things out a bit. Um, but let's, let's talk about some things that um, you've been doing since we spoke in October. Okay, I mean, f first up, 43101 on Bateman. Okay, we saw that. Yeah. Um, happy enough? Yeah, I was very happy with that. I mean, it's 111,000 ounces initial global resource. Remember, the deposit has only been drilled off about 200 meters below surface. And uh, we've got uh, 40,000 ounces of measured and indicated in there at just over six grams and 70,000 ounces at, uh, of inferred material at uh, almost eight and a half grams. This is not our primary deposit. This is going to be supplemental incremental feed into the mill because uh, the Bateman uh, Gold Mill has a capacity today of 1,800 tonnes per day. And the feasibility study for Bateman showed um, an average life of mine production of 1,300 tonnes per day, essentially meaning that the plant is only running at 80% of its designed capacity. So if we can get a supplemental three to 500 tonnes per day into that mill, uh, given we're already paying for the fixed infrastructure, those incremental ounces at these gold prices will carry significant margin with them. 
Right. Okay. And, and I just want to run through through these things because the, the important bit for me is understanding what you're building here, how you're doing it, what this year is going to look like. Okay. So let's let's talk about it again. Get it out of the way. The Finley resource estimate again. It's just incremental feed, I guess. That's right. Uh, there are plans this year, however, to uh, continue to drill the deposit across strike and uh, down plunge where it's open. So, you know, over the course of this year and the ensuing years, we'll continue to, to look to grow that resource. And obviously, if it does grow, that's uh, going to improve our uh, business model and increase the life of mine. Right. Okay. And then the final, final bit of news, as it were, uh, the credit facility you put in place, 40 million bucks, helpful. Yeah. Well, that, that was absolutely massive for us. And I cannot understate, um, you know, overstate just how important that uh, credit facility was. It was done with Macquarie Bank. Macquarie Bank is one of the most recognized uh, commercial banks that lend in the mining space. They have their own due diligence team that did all the technical work on the deposit and, and the asset. And uh, they also brought in an independent engineer. So it wasn't just the case of putting in the 40 million US facility to give us a fully funded project. But what was actually most pleasing for me was given the former technical challenges of this project, having a bank like Macquarie Bank sign off on a 40 million facility and, and get through the technical due diligence was a massive check mark for, for validation of the project, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it was that. And now we're getting to the bit that I'm, I'm most interested in and trying to understand, you know, just how investable Battle North Gold is. Okay. So you inherited a mess. People can look at our conversations, our first conversation. We, we talked about that kind of item, infinitum. It was a great conversation. If I look back at last year, the, the way, the things that you've had to do. In fact, why don't we talk us through what were the challenges for you at the beginning of 2020? You had COVID to contend with, which you probably wasn't in the plans. But talk me through the systematically the order of play for you uh, last year, and more importantly, what that has set you up to do this year. Well, we knew at the beginning of 2020 the 43101 resource that we had was not at that point in time. Uh, large enough, nor did we have enough measured and indicated resource that would convert into reserves to give us, you know, a strong, robust financial and economic model. So the first thing we, we were doing was obviously in 2019 was continuing to do infill and expansionary drilling. And uh, in the first early second quarter of last year, we put out an updated 43101 on the Bateman project. And importantly, our uh, reserves uh, had grown substantially and the uh, density of the infill drilling was now down to an average of 17 meters, which is, is fairly tight, but is absolutely required for this deposit. And, and that worked out beautifully for us because by the time we did the conversion of those reserves into the feasibility study, we ended up with about 635,000 ounces of contained gold that at the end of the day will give us 603,000 ounces of payable gold over the nine-year uh, initial mine life. And we're, we're very confident that that gold is actually there, as I said, with that tight infill uh, spacing. 
So that, that was a critical component. And then, of course, we embarked on the feasibility study itself, which uh, came out in October of last year and showed a very robust project. Uh, we used conservative gold prices when compared to the spot price. So we ran everything at 1525 US dollar gold, which is a good three to $400 below today's spot range. And we ended up with a project with an NPV in excess of uh, 300 million. There was over $400 million of free cash flow, which comes off the project over its uh, initial sort of nine years. And the IRR after tax was above 50%. So we were extremely pleased with those numbers. And of course, if you ran them at 1900 US dollar an ounce gold, the numbers are significantly higher. So we've built in what we believe is a fair degree of conservatism into the uh, feasibility study, both in the capital costs, the operating costs, the financial numbers through a, a relatively modest gold price. And uh, we're absolutely determined that this will be a producing mine by the end of this year, generating significant free cash flow and returns for our investors. Right. So. Again, I, I, keep, I keep harking on about what you've walked into and what you inherited, but you know, it's, it's, let's put it let's put it this way: a, a very low base, right? So, do you think it's quite easy to look good? You're coming from off of such a low base, or have you got things that you just need to deliver because people are going to be automatically nervous or critical of anything that you do? How do you, how do you look at it? No, I think this project has been challenging. I don't think it was one of those cases where this was such a low base. There was only one way to go up. There was obviously a lot of skepticism and negativity around this project. And, you know, I think, as I said in our first interview, you know, building a project and building a company, if I use the same analogy, is no different than building your house. And at the end of the day, if you don't put in the, the, the proper foundation blocks, and you build the house in the wrong order, eventually you're going to have a storm or some sort of event that you cannot control. And quite literally, the walls and the roof are going to come crashing in around your ears. And that's exactly what happened on this project five years ago when they tried to take it to production on the back of preliminary economic assessments that have a degree of accuracy of plus or minus 50%. There was only a resource. There were never reserves. The drill density was uh, over 50 meters uh, in the inferred category. And there were arbitrary you know, uh, lines or arbitrary dates put in place that were un unattainable, yet they were all tied to the debt facility. So you know, they were, there was this looming deadline you know, coming, which they had to attain. And they just really rushed this project when it wasn't ready for being rushed. Yeah, correct. You just reminded me of some of the numbers involved. There are hundreds of millions of dollars raised off the off the back of something like that. Something we warn people about. I say PA plus or minus thirty percent, plus or minus fifty percent. Who, who who knows? Um. Okay. So you got a bit of cash now. You got about, what? Yeah. What do you got? Fifty five. How much? Well, what we did was when we got the um, we did our private placement. Um, we closed out. October last year with the debt facility in place or, or announced, announced uh, including the 40 million, which would be about 52 million Canadian. Company now at that point in time had access to over 110 million Canadian dollars. Since then, we've actually paid off the Sprott loan facility, which was our former uh, uh, outstanding debt. It was due December 31st, 2021. 
but they had security over the uh, the project or the assets of the company. So we paid that off, uh, which was approximately 15 million Canadian dollars at the end of December. So today the company and its bank account is sitting with uh, 50 million dollars in hard cash Canadian and access to an additional 52 million through the uh, the debt facility that uh, is busy being papered with uh, Macquarie Bank. So plus or minus about 100 million Canadian dollars now that we have access to. Right. Again, it's a big, great case study one day. Um, you, you, you have to navigate and circumnavigate some of these barriers that have been put in place for, for legacy issues, let, let, let's say with, I mean, why, if you didn't have to pay till 2021, did you want to get rid of the spot debt now? Does it, did it free you up in some of the decision-making you need to make this year, I, before the end of 21? Well, we had, had to take the Sprott debt out because it had uh, first ranking over the assets. And uh, obviously, if Macquarie Bank were going to give us, you know, 52 million Canadian dollars, they wanted to have first security as well over the assets. So we wouldn't have got Sprott Lending to agree to Paddy Passu, nor was um, Macquarie Bank going to take subordinate debt. So it made perfect sense to get one word of uh, one uh, debt provider and take on the Macquarie facility, which is now uh, securitized against the assets of the company. Fant- okay, fantastic. I just think it's worth explaining to you, because again, some of the questions we've had sent in, yeah. they're quite simple, quite basic questions, but, but good questions nevertheless, and it's worth sort of clearing up from that basis. The other key thing I think, Matt, as well, with respect to that debt facility is, you know, if you analyze the cost of capital, it's extremely, extremely competitive. So, um, uh, pre-completion and completion is where we attain commercial production. The terms that we got were 5.25% plus LIBOR. And given that LIBOR is around a quarter of a percent, we're actually looking at a 5.5% interest rate. When you layer in the arrangement fee, which was approximately 2%, and then the commitment fee, which was 1.5%, you're looking at approximately 8.5% uh, interest rate for a company that has a market cap of 250 million and is not yet in production and has no other producing mines generating revenue. I can tell you uh, sub 10% cost of capital for a company of our size is absolutely fantastic terms for our shareholders. Yeah, no, we, we, we see that a lot. We see that a lot. I, I, I would agree with that. Um, okay, so again, just so again, it's, so it's slowly getting into it, but your mindset is what? You've got access to all of this cash. How do you go about allocating it and what do you spend it on? It, it, the reason I'm asking you is like, given again, the history, given your attitude to how you've gone about systematically, um, you know, breaking down the, the, the barriers, the problems. Do you try and sit with a lot of cash on your uh, cash bank, bank balance? Or are you saying, look, we need to go full bore here, accelerate into this marketplace, take advantage of the high uh, gold price at the moment, which can, and we'll easily be able to raise some capital. We just did it with, look, look what we did on the debt here. How, how cautious are you? Or is it more about you know, trying to prove something? No, it's, it's going to be full bore ahead now. Um, so there's some critical path items that uh, have already started up uh, late last year at the mine site. 
So, for example, we are uh, recommissioning the 240-man camp that is going to house some of the fly-in, fly-out employees. It hasn't been used for five years. It's remained dormant. There's an ammonia reactor that has to go into the wastewater treatment plant before we can run the mill in order to treat for ammonia and discharge to the natural environment. <clears throat> we have to put in a primary crusher on surface to crush the run of mine muck from the mine that'll be eight to 10 inch minus down to approximately six inch minus to feed into the sag mill. And then we have to reinforce the tailings dam and, and start the first raise so that we're prepared actually for year two and three of production to, to accommodate the additional volume of, of, of um, tailings and, and, and rock that will be coming out from the project. So all of that actually started up late last year. And we're now in the process of awarding the underground development contract. And uh, there's approximately <clears throat> 8.7 kilometers of development that has to be done between now and the end of 2022, which is when we should be declaring commercial production. So um, that, uh, that, that contract will be awarded uh, probably early next week. Right. And to, again, just clarify, what do you mean by commercial production? Uh, commercial production is defined at running at 75% of the nameplate capacity of the mill. So the nameplate capacity is currently 1,250 tonnes per day. So 75% of that would be running at 900 tonnes per day. And we have to do that continuously for 90 days. If we're able to attain that, then we would then declare commercial production. Okay. And what, is there anything that can stop you? I mean, you seem to have the cash. You've got the permits, licenses in place. You've got your own mill. What's going to stop you? Well, there's a few other things that still need to be done. Um, we have expiration agreements with our First Nation groups. We have two of those. Uh, we have very good relationships with them, but we will have to negotiate and put in place what's known as an impact benefits agreement. I can tell you negotiations started up with the two First Nation groups in early November last year. And uh, we strongly believe by the second quarter of this year, we will be able to announce that we have signed IBA agreements with our, our First Nation uh, stakeholders. So, so that's important. And then um, with respect to the power and to the mine site, uh, there's a 4160 KVA line all the way in. Currently, we have access to 5.2 um, uh, gigabytes or megabytes of, of uh, megavolts of, of power. Uh, when we get into full production, that number will be closer to 11 to 12. So there's an application in with uh, Hydro uh, Ontario to gain access over the next uh, 12 months to an additional approximate six to seven uh, megawatts of power. Okay, I was, I was thinking, thanks for that. I was thinking more about the, the technical de-risking, which you referred to earlier. Is there anything that's going to stop you on that front? Well, there's, there's still plans this year, despite having the deposit drilled off on a 17-meter drill density and uh, in, in, in reserves. In the uh, uh, proven category, that drill density is around um, uh, 8 meters but it's 19 meters in the uh, probable category. So this first further infill drilling that will take place this uh, year in order to get the reserves down to below 10 meters is, uh, is what we're striving for. Okay. 
Okay. And and you you've got to kind of build like say you've got to build up with the reserve, right? You you've got you kind of got to start that process here. But to what end? Is it to make your life as a producer easier or is it to make you more attractive to people looking in? Because you you know, you're of a certain size and there's a lot of companies of a certain size and you know, there's lots of talk about consolidation and you're in the right part of the world, etc. So you, Again, what are you working towards here? Yeah. Because I know you can be a producer, but... No, Matt, for, for us, uh, our go-to-loan strategy of putting this mine into production and then organically growing the company through close proximity assets and then the regional land package, which we haven't touched on just yet, that that is our primary objective and goal with this company. We believe that generates the most significant returns for our shareholders. Of course, if we continue to de-risk the project, if we continue to grow the reserves, and um, you know, now that we have a fully funded project and there's a technical report out, obviously, you know, as the MA activity picks up, I think people will look at Battle North Goal uh, as a potential target. But that is not our primary goal with this company. We are building it, putting it in production. And as I said, we believe that will generate the most significant returns for our shareholders. Right. You've, you've arguably come in and done a, a difficult task. Okay. It's, it is difficult, but the blues, just getting it right or getting it to where it should have been first time round is, is one thing, but the blue sky of the exploration, you talk about the, mm. the potential there. I mean, are you exploration guys? I mean, you've come in and you've, you've fixed something that was broken, badly broken, but are you? have you got an exploration team there of any note? Well, we didn't until last year, November, and uh, we then we went out and we hired a lady by the name of uh, Maura Cobb. Uh, Maura's a professional geologist. She's got approximately 12 years of experience in the industry. But importantly, the last seven years, she's actually been working entirely in Red Lake. And she was formerly the regional exploration manager for Goldcorp, uh, then Newmont Goldcorp. And then over the last year, she had been the regional exploration manager for Evolution Mining, which is the six billion market cap uh, Australian company that came in and acquired the Red Lake assets from Newmont Goldcorp. So we've been very fortunate in being able to attract Mora to our company. Of course, she brings a lot of intellectual and knowledge and property with her um, that she hasn't shared with us, but it's all locked up in here. And I'm happy to say that uh, the first permits uh, for our first target were received in December. And we're busy mobilizing our first regional drill as we speak. And uh, the first week of February, uh, we will actually be drilling on our regional land package, which is the first time that that has happened in uh, almost 10 years. Okay, but what have you tasked her to do and how much money have you given her to do it? Well, uh, we currently have given her uh, $6 million uh, as initial uh, drilling phase one. There's a supplemental uh, $2 million that is probably going to be allocated to exploration drilling in and around the mine on those targets, which we call the string of pearls, which obviously also includes McFinley. Um, but we're very confident that she will have success and there'll be an ability to come back to the market in the next 12 months, probably with a, a flow through or a super flow through, which can be done in Canada at a significant premium to, uh, to further enhance and, and be more aggressive on the regional exploration. 
Okay. So 2021 is about getting yourself into production by end of the year, getting a re-rate by being a producer, and you're going to try and tell a better exploration story for your existing land package. So no additional money is required to go buy anything. That's, that's correct. But here's the beauty, in my opinion, of Battle North. For most companies, when they go into the development and the construction phase, that's when the share price can sort of wane as people wait for the announcement of first production in the first couple of quarters of production. Given what's happened in the market over the last 18 months with regional exploration success and what has happened to companies' valuations, we believe Battle North can be very different because if we have success with the drill bit, particularly on the regional exploration, it could really ignite a fire under the share price. And remember, we control 28,000 hectares of land in Red Lake. It's the second largest land package in the camp behind only evolution mining. And, uh, you know, it, so it's it's district size scale that we're talking about in one of the most prestigious gold mining camps in Canada, if not the world, that's been around for 80 years and almost 30 million ounces of gold has come out of this camp. So, you know, we're definitely in elephant country and we're looking for elephants. Well, that's, that's what I was asking about the exploration component because it seems with such a, la- a large land package that it's just an untold story for you guys, right? You've not mentioned it. There's no press releases. You've been dealing with other stuff. I get it. But it's it's kind of like the market feels like it's fully valued you on where you're at today on the production potential. And you, yeah, you'll get a re-rate, but you're not telling that exploration story. So is 2021 about telling the exploration story, delivering regular results? And do you think 6 million plus maybe 2 million is enough to do that? Uh, well, you're quite right. Uh, 2021 will be a pivot year for us. I mean, it was all about de-risking the core asset and putting the the horse in front of the cart. We strongly believe now with a fully funded project and and the level of technical due diligence and work that we've done on this project, we have de-risked the core asset and that's now barreling barreling ahead towards production. So this will be a a pivot year where we now turn our attention to exploration on the close proximity targets and more importantly, the regional exploration, which as I said, we believe we can drive value for the shareholders over the next 12 months and beyond through success with the drill bit. I don't believe the the, the $8 million is enough monies. I think we are going to have success and we're going to come back and we're going to get more aggressive on the regional exploration. But, you know, the last four years of its taught the the, the street anything about this management team is we're not just going to throw our money away willy-nilly uh, we're going to be very diligent, very prudent. We're going to go after targeted, you know, uh, areas on our regional land package and be very formal in how we go about them. There's a big danger where when having such a big land package and so many targets, it's almost like a kid in a candy store where you run in and there's thousands of jars of candy and you, you dip your hand in each one, but you really never get to taste anything or get anywhere we're better prioritizing our targets, going after them with the monies that we have. And if we have any success, we can expand on those programs. If we don't have success, 
we work our way down the line, uh, you know, uh, in, a, in a formal manner. Well, some, I'm trying to understand from you how you go about approaching something like that. So that, that, that's the money side of things. So if you have success, there'll be more money to be to be applied uh, or allocated, I should say. But what model do you follow? Because obviously you're surrounded by some pretty big names there, and they've gone about it in in, in fairly similar fashion. If we look slightly further afield, in in you know Canadian, the companies that have done well in the gold space in Canada, there's a bunch of different models, mm. right? The yeah. way that they have gone about um, the process itself, talking to the market, you know, wh when they choose to actually put a resource together, a, what size they expect to come to market with in terms of that resource. You know, you've got the luxury, I guess, of potentially, you know, being a near-term near producer. So you've got a bit of luxury there, you've got to say cash flow. But on the expiration component, there's a whole there's a whole strategy to that. I'm just wondering, have you thought about that yet, or you know, has she thought about it yet uh, and discussed that with you? Oh, oh yes, we've been thinking about that strategy for the last four years. It's not as if we just thought about the regional expiration, you know, in the last couple of months. We've been chomping at the bit to get after those uh, land packages, those priorities. But as I said, we we really didn't want to get detracted from the core asset, which is you know really the the mine for us. Think about it. If we have any success on the regional expiration, where we're different than your typical, you know, expiration company is, we have all the infrastructure required to process that ore. There's a big hungry mill that's going to be sitting down the road 10 or 20 kilometers away with a power grid right into the site and all the, the manpower there, the mine manager, the health and safety superintendent, everything is going to be right there on its doorstep. And of course, we're in a tier one jurisdiction. So geopolitically, socioeconomically, you know, given what's happening in the world, this is a, a very good place to be conducting our no, business. It's good. It's good. And like I said, I don't mean to keep hammering this one here, but the market four years ago versus a year ago, two very different scenarios there. You're going to come mm -hmm. at it differently. Your strategies are going to have changed and evolved. So that's that's what I want to get to. You know, how has it evolved? And you know, what is it today? Without kind of, I guess you don't want to necessarily give yeah. it away. But what is the what is the company image that you're trying to portray with as it pertains to the exploration component here? Because I I think personally. You know, you've done that. You've done a cracking job, and you know, there's a few things to get over the line with regards to the, the production thing, and and that's fantastic, fantastic. The exploration component could be for you with the game changer. I think. Well, it could could be absolutely massive, Matt. I mean, I, I'm not going to give any other company names here, but you know, in Red Lake alone, there's a there's a regional exploration company that's had success on a property. They have no 43101 out. And, uh, you know, they have a market cap anywhere between 700 million and, and as high as a billion dollars. Um, you know, I'm on the board of Rupert Resources, who has a big land package in central northern Finland. And uh, they've had a big discovery at Akari. Uh, the share price a year ago was uh, under a dollar. It's now trading uh, around five dollars. It's had a high of 620 in the last six months and a market cap of a billion dollars. Uh, so there are definitely other case studies out there, which if we have regional exploration success, quite easily we could add a billion dollars to the valuation of this company quite literally overnight. And I think the valuation would be even more because those other projects that we just spoke about, 
don't have the infrastructure that Battle North Gold does, nor, in my opinion, do they have the, the management team to put mines into production and actually run them profitably and generate returns for shareholders. That's our strength. Big year for you, boys. Big year. Looking yeah, forward very to big it. Year. I'm looking forward to it. Well, look, um, George, thank you very much for that update. Um, I did want to speak to you about the exploration component uh, specifically today, and you know, and you know, I've seen the press releases. Um, we'll put a link to previous presentations below. Um, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on uh, as you move uh, quickly towards that production. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.